Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, is DJ Mark. Greetings and salutations. Also with me, Kid Presentable. Man, I, any of you guys weigh yourself? I'm four pounds heavier after that weekend. I mean, I didn't weigh myself before the weekend, so whatever weight I look at now is just the case it's been for at least the month since I last weighed myself. Um. Yeah, guys, uh, no Lavender Gooms this week, or at least not yet. I don't know, man. It's kind of like Kramer from Seinfeld. Just door just opens. In comes Lavender Gooms. And a whole bunch of energy and noise. <laughs> Mike, Mike's just the wild card now, right? Every, every gang needs a wild card. Yep, that's that's a fair description here. Um, Man, I'm just looking at, by the way, right now, 1FC just dropped their bout order for this giant card of theirs. Uh, with... DJ and Shinya Aoki and Eddie Alvarez somewhere here, which I can't seem to find him. It's probably not the greatest organizational structure here. And are uh, none of those guys fighting each other? No, that's I mean, not, that seems like the way it's going to run. Not, they're all different weight classes, man. What do you want to do? Yeah. Timofey Nasty Yukin going to catch a beating from Eddie Alvarez. Yuva Wakamatsu going to catch a beating from uh, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, in a tournament of sorts. Angela Lee's on this card too? Jesus, they're going all in, Steph. Everybody you, you know, know who wants to see is on this card. <laughs> if this 1FC was a Bellator card, all those guys would lose. Yeah, 1FC, there's some hope. You know? <laughs> they don't, not everybody's jinxed yet. Um, March 31st, going to be a big card for them. So, uh... Uh, You should look at the Wikipedia brackets for mm. these tournaments. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> you look at the lightweight tournament, eight guys, one guy with a Wikipedia page. Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> Flyweight tournament. Eight guys, one guy with a Wikipedia page. DJ. <laughs> well, okay, this is American Wikipedia. If we go to... I don't... Is there any other one? Oh, no, yeah, there's different versions of Wikipedia. Well, they should a... link to those other ones because it's looking awfully sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me, Vice President Misha Tate's on the case, guys. Don't worry about it. Vice President Misha Tate will take care of it. Um... All right, boys and girls, uh, we're going to talk about um, what Jorge Masvidal did in the cage and then what Jorge Masvidal did did outside the cage. Uh, The rest of that UFC, or at least a portion of that UFC card that we uh, watched and had a financial interest in. And sometimes you bet on an English kid who's 50 pounds heavier than the other guy, and he still manages to lose. Um, We're going to talk about this big UFC news that came out out today about changing their relationship with the pay-per-view providers. Relationship status single. That's what the UFC is going with here. Or in an exclusive relationship. My metaphor fell apart. Um, we're going to talk about this card next weekend, which I don't know where it is. But Wonderboy Thompson's going to fight Anthony Pettis. And that's going to sound like a crackerjack of a fight. Um, there's other fights too. Uh, like three or four that are interesting. We'll talk about some of those. Um, and then a little stuff we like and everybody goes home. Um, but let's lead it off with Jorge Masvidal taking on Darren Till. Fight taking place. In the O2 Arena in London, um, the home field advantage being with Darren Till, strong home field advantage because last time he fought in the UK, he got a decision he probably didn't deserve against Wonderboy Thompson. Um, 
Stefan, for the first round of this fight, I was still cooking. So before it all went, before it all went catty, catty wampus um, in the second round for our uh, all of our pocketbooks, what happened in the first round? <laughs> um, what happened is what we were hoping to happen, right? Uh, we, you know, we, we, we were in a uh, gambling-friendly town, so we decided to put some bets on this fight. Um, and kind of, you know, hind- with hindsight being twenty twenty, it's a little shocking. We all were pretty adamant that we thought Till was going to win. Um, so, you know, we all put that on our bets. But at the same time, there was that you know hesitation in my feeling. Though I know exactly how he's going to lose too. Though um, you know he kind of has to get Jorge early. He it, the longer the fight goes, the more that tide will just shift to Jorge because uh, Jorge comes on late, Till fades late, right? Um, but for that first round, we saw exactly what we were hoping for. Um, you know, it it wasn't like super guns blazing, but they're kind of feeling each other out. And Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Till got him with a straight left. Yeah, he, he he knocked him down in that first round. Yeah, he just kind of hit him pow, pow, you know, and then that's it. Okay, that's that's the power. Um, that's where Till is lethal. He's a massive welterweight. Just even he made weight this time, but looking at him, he's physically gigantic for this weight class. Um, and we'll probably talk about the problems of that potentially later on. But um, in the first round, it looked good. Um, Jorge was able to recover though. You know, he got his wits about him. Was able to. Turn to guard, kind of stall out. There wasn't much additional ground and pound. You know, he kind of still still kind of had him hurt though. Hit him with a little bit. Nothing super significant. It was really just a one big flooring shot. Um, but then early into the second round, you saw this is the kind of thing about Jorge, right? It woke him up. Uh, he clearly recovered. He came out sharp. And he came out more aggressive. He started firing, and uh, Till's shown a problem with this now. He doesn't keep his hands up. Uh, he's the type of guy that if you punch him in the face, he likes to leave his hands down to show that oh, I'm tough. You can hit me. And he kind of kept playing that defense. It's like, yeah, you can hit me. You can hit me, but you got to defend because uh, eventually it just came late into the second round. It was just the form of an overhand left. Um, it kind of was the Tyron Woodley shot. Uh, I don't remember what Till threw, some type of combination. And uh, Jorge just fired with that overhand left a la Woodley. You know, that well, that overhand left, my friend, one. you got that South, you got the Southpaw kryptonite right there with that overhand left, especially in, uh, in MMA where, well, people just don't block that well so <laughs> i mean yeah and that, that even if you got uh two orthodox fighters the, the that left hook is always good it's just always that that leaning hand in it's close right the the hook is a short compact punch with a lot of power um but yeah till he he's been cracked by it before um it's not how he was finished by woodley but he has been dropped by it so we know that that chin can be cracked um and jorge got him jorge got him bad he hit him a, with an uppercut on his way down, and then he landed one incredibly unnecessary because Till was blacked out, like knocked out cold, and with a hammer fist. Um, you know, he was fine ultimately, but Till had one of those scary knockouts where he was like stiff and was not recovering for a bit. Like even when they're going to raise yeah. Jorge's hand, like Till is still down. Like finally at the end, you see him like sat up to a stool, but that was a brutal, brutal knockout. Yeah, big one for him. Um. We're going to talk about Jorge Masvidal after we talk about the co-main event because everybody's actions involved kind of dictated that to be one giant conversation. So, Marcus, let's just focus on Darren Till here. Uh, um, this is two straight losses. He didn't get knocked out by Woodley. He got dropped. If he got effectively knocked out, he got dropped, and then he got finished with a choke. Got knocked out here. None of us like him at this weight class. And I know it's weird to suggest that, like, hey, let's move him up to a weight class where people are bigger when you're already getting knocked out. But... It also, he's, you know, I'm not a scientist, but, you know, a little less dehydration doesn't go into the fight as with, you know, that drawn out, especially dealing with, with the, you know, headshots. I mean, I don't know. Am I 
playing. I might be playing a little bit of doctor here, but I think he should go up to 185 because he's this isn't going well at the moment. Yeah, I mean, and this seems to happen to a lot of guys, right? When they start to struggle in a weight class, that's very difficult for them to make. Um, after a couple losses like this, you tend to start, you know, reevaluating your career. And you know, I don't think dabbing the 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 toe at uh, middleweight, you know, would do him any harm. Because uh, honestly, we we've seen this song and dance so many times before, and probably the most recent being um, uh, Anthony Smith, right? Just how he talked about at middleweight. So much of the preparation for the fights is just keeping the weight off and not so much even training tactics or getting technically more skilled in different aspects of the game. So much of it is just like, I have to do so much cardio. I have to sweat so much so I keep my weight down so I can cut that 20 pounds day of. So, yeah, I don't think it'd be a bad move at all to um, to go up to middleweight. And I think, you know, especially when you look at this fight where Jorge is a much smaller fighter and he was able to, you know, knock out the bigger man. And a lot of that could be because he's getting super dehydrated. There's not a lot of fluid in his head. So he takes these shots a lot harder. And the trade-off is usually that he's so much bigger than these guys. He's going to be able to use that size advantage to win fights. And if he's able to do that, you know, more power to them. But you had a case here where you had a much smaller fighter, but a very technical um, fighter that was able to exploit the weakness of you not being able to take a shot quite as well. So yeah, I love to see Till go to middleweight um, and just see how he does there because yeah, you're right. He's going to be fighting guys that are more his um, his weight, so he's not going to have that advantage over them. But let's be honest, like Till's fight style, his weight advantage does not help him that much. I mean, sure, his he's going to be a little heavier, so he's going to be able to plant his feet and generate more power. But I honestly think weight advantages really benefit a guy who's going to be grappling a lot and is going to make you carry his weight. And that's just not Till's game plan. So this advantage that he's created for himself, I think, is giving him marginal advantages over his opponents. And, you know, at this point, maybe we can start pointing and say that the cons of it, his ability to um, not maybe take a shot as well as maybe he could at in middleweight um, is affecting the game. So, yeah, I like to see him at middleweight. That's not to take anything away from Jorge Masvidal, um, who is an extremely tough, technical, hard-hitting guy. But he's also not a guy that gets KOs like this very often. He has a lot of knockouts to his credit. But when you look at how they come, they're TKOs. They're him landing clean uh, consecutive strikes where a guy couldn't defend himself and maybe crumbles and he, he finishes them with ground and pound or elbows. We don't see a lot of, not even just like flash knockouts, just knocking out a guy cold like this one. So, he, and, and you know what? He made that happen too because he really stepped in the pocket with Till and threw down bombs. And that's how he was able to land that left hand that finished it because he came in heavy with a oh, right yeah. and followed it up. So you have to give credit to him, not just oh, because... Yeah. Or, hey, I mean, because Till's cutting a lot of weight, but this dude came to fight, and uh, like Stefan mentioned earlier, Till, I mean, not not just that he has a tendency to drop his hands. Like, he explicitly at multiple points of this fight was just putting his hands down and saying, like, you can't hurt me. You're too small to hurt me. And that proved to be, I don't think that was how the fight ended, but you can tell that that was in his mindset, that he didn't, he wasn't fearing Jorge's power, and he, he ate all of it and couldn't take it, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, and Jorge. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about him in a minute and I'm going to I'm ready to argue that he deserves a title shot over everybody in that weight class, except the champion, former champion who's not getting one. Um, And, you know, but yeah, he's also yeah, he's not a large welterweight at all. The Marcus, this is effectively like he's a lightweight for, for all intents and purposes. A man fought most of his career at lightweight was a title contender and strike force at lightweight. But motherfucker will just, you know. We're going to talk about it in a second. This isn't just a sport to Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> if you tell him, let's fight, he's going to fight. So, but what's 170s where you at the fight? That's 170s where he's going to fight. <laughs> um, 
All right, co-main event. Leon Edwards beat Gunnar Nelson. Uh, Stefan, do you have any particular analysis about the way he did this, or should we just get to the end of the story here? <laughs> I mean, it, there's an impressive skill set here, right? Um, no, he's. I didn't mean to dismiss his abilities, because I've, I've been picking this guy in random-ass fights for years, but it's just the man really made a name for himself a different way this weekend. <laughs> sure, but I, I want to give him credit, because we have had a lot of fight these like, recently. This is... This is a heat check for this is a prospect heat check. Is this someone I need to pay attention to? Some of these strings are getting impressive, but now you're starting to fight the guys that have name value, right? That Cerrone big was win for him. Him beating Gunner, and if he could thoroughly beat Gunner, you know, impressively beat Gunner, that's saying a lot. You know, I respect the hell out of Gunner, and you know, there were times I was nervous in this fight. Um, it turned out to not be that close. He couldn't win spectacularly, but we do see this when guys get a step up in competition, right? They can't quite put him away, but they can show separation. And I think he showed that. He was far superior in the stand-up department. Um, and he was really good at getting up. He Gunner is more known for his top, I would say, his control rather than his takedowns. But to fend off Gunner, to be have your back against the fence, to be planted a couple times, he always knew how to get back up. He, I mean, Mark can break down the technical aspects of that better than i can but he 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 could really get back up and a guy if you're a stand-up fighter you want to see that right you want to see them not be a tiago alves who just kind of physical strengths his way up they, they actually proficiently know how to get their hips under them get their backs to the fence square up stand back up because yeah this is the this is the this is, welterweight has always been the division of wrestlers so if you can show those type of skills look at who's there right now look who's around the top is woodley usman um, and I'll begrudgingly even giving it to Covington. Um, you better have that skill to keep the fight in the space you want uh, if you're going to be in this division. You don't get to be welterweight champion without knowing some wrestling. I mean, you got to at least be Robbie Lawler and defend some takedowns. Um, man, poor Leon Edwards, though, man. From England, gets booed in London. <laughs> I swear to God, they didn't know he was from England. No, they didn't at they all. Said fighting out of Birmingham, yeah. England or whatever. Yeah, I mean, dude's born in uh, Jamaica, but he like he lives in goddamn Eddington, Birmingham, England. Like he's he's from there. Uh, Marcus, you want to give some credit to the man uh, the way he got up? Stefan pointed it out, and we pay you the big bucks for your fight analysis. So let's. How did how did how did Leo, how did uh, Edwards get up? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't remember technically what he did to, to get up because my, my my biggest takeaway with this fight was, um, and I don't want to disparage Leon Edwards at all. I, he he controlled those first two rounds, I think, handily. Um, but my my big takeaway was just one: Gunner had a shot in that third round to win the fight, and I, you have to give credit to Leon's um, uh, submission defense and not being able to just get steamrolled. But I also think Ed, Edwards just kind of let off the gas a little bit in that third round. I think when he when Gunner got the takedown. I think he kind of knew or thought in his head, like, I'm kind of ahead on the scorecards. I'm not going to do anything super crazy here. So, I mean, Gunner got mount on him and started getting his back, and there was an opportunity towards the end of the fight if Gunner would have really pushed it, um, potentially could have worked something in, right? If he really tried to do some ground and pound and open Edwards up, he had an opportunity, right? Um, other than that, I mean, Edwards did look really good in those first two rounds. He just, Gunner really didn't have anything for him on the feet. He was ineffective in taking him down. Um, but my big takeaway and why I'm not going to be like Leon Edwards is like the next coming in, in welterweight is just that, you know, I, I think with a guy like Gunnar Nelson, who's very specialized, we've seen guys steamroll him. And if Edwards was able to just not even like, like Stefan was saying, not just like steamroll him, but just like win each round emphatically, it would say a little bit more. If he was able just to demolish Gunnar, then I'd be like, okay, this guy's legit. But what I saw is a guy still coming into his own who has a strong skill set, but he needs to tighten up a few things. And I honestly think the end of the third was more of Edwards 
not giving it the full effort because he knew he was kind of ahead on the scorecards. Um, and, and also just we, we, we learned that by the way, Mark. We learned maybe that wasn't the greatest move considering how the judges. It was really close. Um, and that's why. Like, well, I'm I mean, the one who gave to... the one who gave two rounds to Gunner might not be allowed to sh shouldn't be allowed to judge. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think if the first round was like it was kind it of was close weird point. because there was the two there was one, the one judge who had the two seven to Gunner, but one judge and I, I said it was arguable in the second round that that was a ten eight. There was a judge that did give a ten eight. So yeah, it was wild. I, but that was the joke. I was like, if it's gonna be a split decision, it's gonna be this wild disagreement. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, they got the right guy. You know, I, I don't think Gunner won that fight. He had he had his chance. He had three minutes on top at the end of the fight. If he was going to win that fight, that was his golden opportunity, and he he couldn't make it happen. So you have to give the 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 credit to Edwards. Um, I'm just I'm not quite there yet to think like, oh, this dude's knocking on the door and he's a, a viable threat. I didn't see that in this fight. Um, I think he needs. I hate to say it, like one more top contender, someone who's been in the title division or been in the title picture before. And if he can beat them and look good doing it, then I'll give him a little more gratitude. You know, being Gunner is a good feather in the cap. It's a good stepping stone on his way to the title. Well, but it's not that win that gets him there. Well, he certainly tried to fucking get that win to make that happen. His next fight, because um, if you didn't watch this card, I only heard one thing that came from it is what you heard was the backstage altercation that happened between Jorge Masvidal and Leon Edwards. Uh, brief sum brief summary. Leon Edwards been talking shit for long time. Okay, uh, about they've been going back and forth because Jorge Masvidal will talk shit with anybody. Jorge Masvidal's getting interviewed. Uh, Leon Edwards shows up to start shit talking. Jorge Masvidal gets in his face. It looks like both guys' hands up went up at the same. Both guys' hands went up at the same time. Jorge says Leon's went up first. Leon doesn't feel that way. Long story short, uh, short words were ex uh, exchanged, and Jorge Masvidal hit him with, as he put it, the three-piece and a soda, which this is a sign that America's got a weight problem because two-piece and a biscuit has been upgraded to three goddamn pieces. That soda's all sugar. Yeah, I don't know. If Jorge, biscuit, yeah, I was gonna say, Jorge works for him, but what's going on? With, uh, do they make more? You know what it is? Jorge's a good salesman for KFC because they the overhead, it, the soda has no cost. Okay, there's pure profit. Somebody's got to make the biscuit. It has some sort of ingredients. Three pieces and a soda. Yeah, Jorge cracked him in the face, cut him up a little bit. They were separated. There was a report that police were called. That actually had nothing to do with this. Um, but Leon Edwards isn't pressing charges. Um, Leon Edwards said he wanted to fight Jorge Masvidal. Jorge, Jorge Masvidal obliged him. Um, so my opinion of this um, is... I think we all got to recognize the stupidity of the the stupidity of the actions of Jorge Masvidal, and the general you don't do this stuff in public nature of it legally, societally, any of these things. That being said, I'm pretty okay with it overall because and also because Leon Edwards kind of got what he wanted here. I just did. I just think he thought that this was gonna get. This was gonna lead to him just getting a fight with Jorge Masvidal, and that he wasn't gonna get his ass whooped backstage at a UFC event. Um, and uh, he got what he wanted, and he he got in a fight. He got in a fight with Jorge Masvidal. Whether this gets him a fight out of it, um, I don't think it should because I think Jorge Masvidal should get a title shot um, over Colby Covington. That's just me. Because I hate Colby, and uh, I'm gonna say though, Bobby, you're kind of wrong. Well, this is my opinion. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong here, and I don't necessarily think there's a right answer here because Colby hasn't fought in so long now that the person he beat, and when he beat them, a long time ago, 
And um, I understand he Colby's was the not, inter- To be fair about it, Colby's not the answer either. The answer is the one that won't happen is Tyron. Oh, no, yeah. To be clear, Tyron Woodley's the second greatest welterweight of all time. Should get a title shot. Um, but I think he does. I think Jorge deserves it over Colby because he just beat the guy who fought for the belt and beat him in less than two rounds and knocked him out. That being said, um, let's go first to you, Marcus. We all love Jorge Masvidal. Some of his actions questionable. Um, I don't. I'm not going to fucking, you know, what's it called? Uh, is it uh, clutching pearls? I'm not clutching my pearls here about a man throwing a punch backstage at a cage fighting event. Um, your opinion on what the altercation and hell, man, what do you think? Or who do you think Jorge fights next? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's dumb, right? This is like you're literally in the one profession where it's legal to go f- fight these guys and punch them in public to make them look foolish. That's where you get that aggression out. And I, I wouldn't have known this until I read an article, I guess, leading up to this fight. Jorge was just talking about how smack talk is really stupid and it doesn't lead to anything. And then it, it it apparently got under his skin enough. But I also think, you know, on the other, you know, first, you know, it's dumb. He's literally in like, besides being an active combat in the war, like you're in the one profession where you get to punch people without repercussions. Don't do that outside of the job. Um, Same time. Like if you know Jorge and we've talked about this guy, we don't say street fighter in like a sense that like oh he's just a tough guy like this dude fought in the fucking streets like I saw videos like yeah he was, he was you know this is, this isn't a game to him man MMA guy like this, and that this, was Jorge Masvidal in like oh two it's not a like, game to them man straight so, up. it's yeah. straight up not a game to this man at all <laughs> yeah so there's just, there's certain people in this sport that you know this sport isn't a sport to them this is this is fighting and that's life to them and Jorge and the Diaz brothers are these guys that if you start talking shit to their face there is a good chance you're about to get hit and you know I don't condone it at all but. If you're going to take a fucking sucker punch, do it like Jorge Masvidal where he fucking cuts the dude up. It's like, yeah, don't fuck with me because when I throw punches at you, this isn't going to be some uh, Paul Daly after the after the bell bullshit where I barely clip you. If I'm, and I think he said it, Bob. Like he has the best sucker punch. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's a sucker punch. I think it's if not, you, no, I think if you, I think if you shit talk a man into him getting in your face, all bets are off. No, honestly. I'm not saying that this is a sucker punch. I'm saying that when this dude throws a punch at you, especially in a street-like orientation where the knuckles are free of wraps and, and uh, padding, he's going to try to do some damage, and he did. You know, and it's just like, yeah, this this just speaks to character of the guy. Um, honestly, even what Jorge was saying about the shit talk, like if this fight comes to fruition, like this stuff's just all going to be the publicity, all about it, right? It's just going to um, build up the fight. And, and honestly, and if I was the marketing team, this is kind of a godsend because otherwise I don't think this fight is super marketable, right? I mean, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal probably gained some points with a big win here, but I don't think he's a household name. And Leon Edwards is far from it. Dudes in his country don't even know where he's from their country. So it's not like just having Masvidal versus Edwards is going to bring the bank, but you have this storyline where these dudes got in an altercation. We got it on tape. You can sell tickets that way. So, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, there's not going to be much repercussion for Jorge's actions. I don't think Leon's pushing charges or anything like that. But I think it's a good publicity stunt. And, you know, for Jorge, a guy who doesn't really kind of do the whole media thing, he's a straight talker. This is a this is probably the most publicity he'll get for anything he's ever done outside of the octagon. So who do you want in the fight? You want that? We want that fight. Um, I I think I, I I think, man, let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's do the fight him and Kamaru. yeah i think this i think i think because like i just said this is the one fight you can throw masvidal's name on and have a clip that could potentially sell people because i don't think masvidal and uzman while it's an exciting fight and i want to see that fight those names just aren't going to bring the the audience there people just don't know who Jorge is at this point 
Um, Covington will. Um, I, I think I think he's warranted to coming. Bobby, you talk about how much you hate Covington. You give me all these faces every week. We talk about this fucker. Do you do you think? Do you really think that's gonna? Do you think they're gonna put either of those guys at the top of the pay per view? I don't think it matters. I think they're gonna be the number two title fight. That's why I, mean. I don't. I don't think they're gonna depend on them. I don't think it's. I don't think you're wrong that if they just put a pay per view on Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, then another one on Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington. Covington probably does better. But I think we're talking about 175 versus 200,000 pay per view buys. That's right. I mean, I, I think it'd be smart not to have this be yeah. the leading part. But if it is, it needs to have things underneath it that are going to build it, right? Because if it's just if the if the big crowning jewel is Masvidal and Usman, Man, or Usman whenever Tiago Santos is catching his beating from John Jones, that can be Camaro can defend against anybody. Right. No, I agree. I think I think it should be paired up. And I, obviously, if it's a heavier weight class, that's just going to bring in more eyes. Um, but you know, if they're going to do this for paper, I think they at least have to have a lighter divisions or a women's title underneath it to kind of stack the pay-per-view but i'm not i'm not mad at either of, at any of the options right now uzman and covington like uh stefan kind of mentioned i think that's the most deserved the dude got a belt like if the guy if you're not giving the interim guy belts the shot to actually get the real belt then that <laughs> those belts become really really meaningless They're, they they have no meaning at all because right now it's just kind of a quasi number one contender if even that I but was gonna say they already they already did it, man. They already didn't, they didn't give Tony Ferguson his title shot. They already passed him over. I mean, I think it's already there. Tony Ferguson's interim champion. Connor fought Khabib. Connor's not gonna fight. I mean, then what are we doing? Yeah, but Connor's in a different stratosphere than just logistics of a division. Connor kind of gets that whatever. He, they said he's not he's not next. They said it doesn't matter that he was interim champion. That's not they're not giving him a bit. I mean, Tony Ferguson's got his own problems now. It's hard to even talk Buster, about. The, yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, man. But that's just, that's just it. I, I think Covington's more deserving. If they want to go Masvidal or rematch with Woodley, I think there's a lot of interesting matchups to make at welterweight right now at this point with Masvidal getting this big win and uh, Ben Askren waiting in the, in the wings that everyone's super excited about. I think there's a lot of ways you move these pieces, and there's not a ton where I'm upset. Right? There's not a lot of moves they're going to make where I'm like, oh, that's just a bad call. There's a lot of deserving guys at this division, and I think – some of it needs to get sorted out. So if Masvidal needs to fight Edwards or needs to fight Askren or Askren fights Edwards, you know, however they kind of dole it out, I there's not a lot of scenarios where I think they're really going to fuck it up, right? So, you know, if Edwards gets the title shot, that'd be weird, you know, right? They could fuck it up that way. But there's there's a lot of good decisions they can make and easy decisions to make, and there's a few bad ones, and I think they're going to be able to do, do something that's good enough, at least for me. Hear me out here, and I think I might have figured it out here. Maybe not. We do my fight, Masvidal versus Kamara Usman. Do you know who Colby Covington can fucking fight? The man he called out for two years. He can fight Tyron Woodley. He can put up That'd his fake cool. belt. I'm we down. can put it. We can call the interim title fight. Colby still has a belt. Bring Colby with his fucking belt. Put it on TV against Tyron for the fake belt, and then that way Tyron gets a title shot after he whoops Colby's ass. Stefan, that's, that's just what I'm saying. Like we have six pieces to kind of move around here, and any way you kind of slice and dice it, it's not that bad really even if Covington doesn't get the next shot as long as it's Masvidal or Woodley I guess that's really it Rex he's not going to fight Askren I don't know who's really waiting in the wings either but uh I think whatever they're going to do next unless they really fuck it up and I don't know like Ferguson goes up to 170 unless someone just randomly comes up from 55 that isn't holding a belt GSP retired or, not or Connor, Connor comes up to 170 and fights Uzman or something though man that would be 
Even there, even there, even that weird hypothetical match, I'm really cool with because Usman and Connor is just such a weird what the fuck. I'm so down to watch that fight. Stefan Idis presented the fever dream of Woodley versus Covington for his fake belt that he no longer is really a champion of anything of. Mark decided to taunt me. Overall, your feelings on Masvidal's. Whoopi, I mean, yeah, we, we, we've circled so far off yeah. of the original. Play. I gotta go back. What do you think about <laughs> Masvidal? What do you think? Who do you think is next at welterweight? I mean, it. I'll try to keep it short. I'll be honest. Um, when I saw what happened and heard the story, I had no reaction. That's how desensitized I was to it. Like when it was like, "Oh, he got in Masvidal's face and Masvidal punched him." Yeah, yeah, that that's happened. Like I wasn't shocked. I did. I, I cast no judgment. Not of a like. Even Mark. Mark had a very reasonable stance of like, "Yeah, you can't do that in just real life." Um, but if Mike were here, he'd co-sign me on this. Jorge is what you call a real one, and there's people like him. You don't fuck with him and. I've known people like that all my life and you're cool with them. You're cool, but you don't fuck with them on pointless things. Like it made me think to um, the moment at the end of Connor and Habib. And it was one of the moments that really stuck out to me is Connor getting caught on the mic, kind of whispering in Habib's ear. It was just promotion. It was just promotion. But then Khabib shoves him the fuck back. Like, no, fuck you. Fuck that. You don't get to say all that shit and just say it was promotion. Fuck you. And that, you know, and Habib, you saw what happened as a result. Jorge is in that category. The Diaz brothers are in that category. No, this isn't jokes. This isn't for the camera. There it's is not no camera. This is man. This is life. To them. This is real life. And yeah, whether you respect that about someone, whether you appreciate it, you have to acknowledge it. There's people that think that way. And there's people that think that way in this fight game. Jorge's one of those dudes. I know that about him. I, I appreciate it about him. I, I can at least respect it about him. So, um, yeah, if Leon wants to make his name off of a guy like that, this is what you're getting. You're not getting the MMA fighter. You're getting, as Mark said, the street fighter. Um, but, yes, it's hard for me to not be a fan of fighting like and not be like Jorge. So, again, I, I really had no reaction to it. Um, it was just kind of a, yeah, that makes sense that that happened. I mean, if I, if I told you that, like, I don't know. GSP did that backstage. You'd be like, oh, that's surprising. But a guy if like you Hor told me, if you said, Stefan, an active UFC fighter just sucker punch someone, or not even sucker punch, just punch someone in, a, in an argument backstage, Masvidal would be right at the top of the list. I know who this guy is. Like, yeah, don't talk shit to that guy. Honestly, you'd be like, okay, Nate and Nick aren't fighting. So <laughs> it's not one of those two. Who's Who do we got? Mayhem's you know why everyone talks shit towards Bisping? Because Bisping will just talk shit back. He won't do stupid shit. He's too clever of a guy to do stupid shit. That's why everyone feels comfortable to just talk shit. I just want to say we didn't plan this, but Stefan, good with this transition material. Michael Bisping got announced for the UFC Hall of Fame. Um, right in the middle of the show. And I felt it was appropriate because I was watching the show and they announced it. I'm like, yeah, he's basically one of the reasons anybody's in this fucking building. The UFC's UK presence, Michael Bisping carried the number of random fight night shows in fucking England that Michael Bisping main evented. Coming out to that damn Blur song that we all, was it um song two? Um, we, uh, I mean, we before he won the belt, we all were one of those things where like, well, Michael Bisping's going to the Hall of Fame just based on longevity. But Man was champion, man won a ton of fights, man beat a lot of good people, but if nothing else, his importance to the globalization of MMA, I think really carries it here for him. Just my two cents. Um, either of you have a thought about Bisping? Yeah, I mean, we he he's he's a good uh, fodder bag for kind of, you know, making fun of, teasing. You know, there's there's some funny lowlights in with all the highlights, but it was never meant to disrespect him. Um, Bisping's one of the few guys I really got to see his whole career. Um, 
Tough three is my personal favorite season of tough of all time in terms of just quality. Um, and a lot of really good fighters came out of it. And yeah, that's where I got introduced to him. You know, he, he, he always knew how to play a villain. Um, and it's one of those things being pro wrestling fans, you recognize people who are playing a character and you knew he was. Um, that's why I never got too mad at I him. Mean, I my... never thought he was an asshole, but he deserves it. He he was been a showman his whole career. He he has this weird stigma of sometimes being boring, maybe just because he doesn't have finishing power. But like, he always worked his ass off. <laughs> I yeah. think I used to, I used to say this about Kenny Florian, but truly Bisping is the actual like encyclopedia like standard bear definition of it. The guy who just maximized everything he could do wasn't yeah. the most tall athletic strong he just maximized everything his body could do through hard work that's michael bisping and he 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 didn't have a great reign but he got the belt and one shining moment on the mountain is more than most of us so uh, fucking hats off to michael bisping yeah i think one time um joe rogan i heard this one time he said michael bisping has a resting heartbeat of like 35 beats per minute which i mean that's a man who's just worked himself into a level of stamina that's insane Marcus, if you have any thoughts about Bisping, but uh, and then after that, just let me know what you thought of Dominic Reyes's uh, squeaking by Vulcan Ozdemir here. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, first on Bisping, just just to reiterate, like he was crucial and um, you know expanding the UFC overseas, but um, I don't want that to mar that he he earned that Hall of Fame shot, and and you know, and like Stefan said. His reign um, as champion wasn't super long, and it really wasn't against a lot of the killers in the in the division at the time. But he got it off a legit champion. Like I, I consider Luke Rockhold to be, at the, especially at that time. You know, the the shine has worn off hard on that guy. But at the time, I easily considered him to be one of the best middleweights that ever uh, you know fought in the cage. And Bisping, you know, it, it, I, I've talked about before. I, you know, I think if those guys fought ten times on that night, Bisping's not getting his hand raised on most of them. But he got it done. He saw an opportunity. He saw an opening and he took it and he earned it. And, you know, like I said, his run, you know, his next fight against Dan Henderson didn't really make the most logical sense because there's a fucking line of killers at that time at middleweight. Um, and then the fight with GSP was just more like, all right, this is just special stuff. But at that point, really, GSP, uh, I'm sorry, Michael Bisming has kind of earned um, his ability to kind of call his rematches and his shots. You know, he's been in the game for so long. Um, like we've talked about off air so, so often, you know, the guys he lost to all basically popped for shit. And this dude never popped for anything, um, you know, really was pretty squeaky clean throughout his career. You know, maybe some eye pokes here and there, but, who, you know, that, that that just happens in the fight game. And he's just he's a great ambassador overall. Not only is he popular and charismatic and, you know, he's great on the mic. He's on ESPN or Fox Sports, um, but he, he got it done in the cage. And, you know, that's what you have to do to get in the Hall of Fame. You have to have held that belt, beat some notable guys and really hung around the sport for a long time to earn that Hall of Fame spot, and he totally earned it. You know, I have no qualms about that. Um, uh, Dominic Reyes and uh, Ozdemir, that was a close competitive fight. Um, Dominic Reyes really just kind of, you know, by the skin of his teeth was able to pull it off, and I think a lot of it was um, just being a little bit more active. Uh, Ozdemir kind of gassing a little bit later in the rounds, and Dominic Reyes' ability to get back up, he got taken down numerous times in this fight, but Anytime, anytime that butt hit the canvas, he was pretty quick to work his way back up. Um, it was a hard-fought win, and I, I know for me, it kind of just, you know, we, we needed him to win, like we talked about last week. The division the is a little thin. We need new blood in here, and Dominic Reyes seems to be kind of that guy, but we definitely saw this, the ceiling here, right? He didn't run through Ozdemir. He didn't just school him. This was a tough, competitive fight that he barely got the win on. 
Um, but, you know, I, I do consider Ozdemir to be one of the, the top echelon guys at light heavyweight. So I think this gets Dominic's name in the picture. Um, because the division is kind of thin, who knows what this win does for him. I think he needs one more against a credible guy to really solidify that he's a contender. But he's in the conversation now, and he wasn't, you know, before this fight. So big, big, big uh, ups to him. So Marcus, you mentioned there was a ceiling. Um are you? I mean, the guy's twenty nine years old. He's still eleven and zero. He's only had eleven fights. Are we really? Are you really ready, like ready to cap it here? Or like, I mean, what do you mean by ceiling? I guess when I say ceiling, it's just like he's 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 a prospect, right? How good can this guy be? Is he going to run through everybody? Is he running through Ozdemir and he's the next John Jones? It's not. It's not that, right? I'm not saying that he can't get better. I'm not saying that this is. And I'm I'm never going to say that about any fighter at this point. That some guy reaches. His skill level overall in the game that he can't get better in years. That's that'd be a foolish statement. To I mean, shit, you're talking about Michael Bisping just about a minute ago. Anyway, fair point. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys get better, you know. But the truly great guys like the John Jones, they don't struggle early on like this, right? Like the guys that really. And it doesn't mean that they can't get better, right? We've seen guys completely change their game, like a Max Holloway or something along those lines. But you know, sometimes the truly great guys they don't get stopped like this until they meet someone that is the highest caliber. <laughs> Um, you know, in the weight division. So I think Dominic Reyes is is the future of this division. There's just there's things he needs to to he to needs to take up. a leap in something. He, there's nothing he does well enough to be in that deep end yet. He needs to. There's some skill set he needs to take a leap. Like Ryan Bader, we saw his his boxing took a late leap. Reyes will need something like that. He's got good power. He's got good technique, but something needs to take a leap in his ability to set it up. Uh, to develop a better sh a killer shot in one of his key punches yeah he there, just there's something needs, missing still yeah no i agree let's it's either he needs to get his striking to the point where dude's fucking danger like if you're on the feet with this dude just lay on your back and go to butt scoop because this dude's gonna knock you out he either needs to get to that point where he's like a crow cop and you don't even want to fuck with it or he needs to sharpen up the secondary skills so that dudes can't take him down like i have to stand with this guy he's pretty good at it because i can't fucking take him down his, his clinch and his takedown defense is too good or his top game is too good or the dude's a killer in the guard yeah i agree with you he needs it's either he needs to sharpen the the skill set that he already has to get even more dangerous so he needs to get like a better he needs to be even better at stand up or he needs to get the secondary skills to a point where it's just like fuck i i have to fight this guy at what he's best at because i can't get the fight in the positions that i want i think this o ozdemir fight kind of shows you he can still get taken down he's really good at getting back up but you can take him down and you can kind of control him and you can win some rounds that way which i think is how ozdemir won some of his rounds he took him down a couple times he wasn't able to hold him but it was enough for the judges in a close round to be like he took him down twice he gets the nod on that one um but yeah i, I think you know he can still get a lot better he's young in his career and ultimately a lot of the guys in the upper echelon, a lot of them are kind of older, right? They're, I think this division is going to take a generational leap at some point. And if he can stay healthy and still continue to grow and get better, you know, he can be at the top of that hill when the John Jones and the Govzison maybe, you know, some of these older guys tend to either move up to heavyweight or, you know, drop out of the game and he's still going to be around and kicking, you know, he can get a type, he can get a shot at that belt. It's just, he needs one more, at least, to get in that conversation. And let's see how he does against that guy, right? I will say, um, you know, as the storyline guy and saying Dominic Reyes staying on a view is going to be a part. I got to give a wag of the finger, though. Um, Bobby, I will know you know this because you follow Ronda Rousey's Twitter, and she gets this a lot. But you guys know that reaction gif where it's uh, Jonah Hill at the Oscars, and he's kind of waving his hand like, nah, man, no, like, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, uh, I kind of felt that. You called out John Jones, Dominic. At the end of all that, you have a close split decision against Vulcan, and you call out John Jones. No, that that's not the time. I we mean, say, okay, we uh, say, don't waste your moment. 
that's not good either. That's not uh, that, that that was going that wild. It just it, it makes me not able to take you seriously. Stefan, in fairness, we did praise Ben Askren for essentially getting knocked out, waking up in the middle of it, and getting a weird choke win, and then at the end of it talking about how easy it was. We oh, gotta honey, get that because that's amazing shtick the way he did it. Dominic was being earnest. He okay. was like. I'm coming for you, John Jones. Like, okay, no, nah, calm down. Ben Askren came out there and said, is that the best you got? Is almost I, probably it'd be okay if you stopped the fight. Is that the best you got? That's hilarious, Bobby. That's called comedy gold. Yeah, I mean, that okay. was comedic. When, when you say, is that the best you got? And your faces beat to shit. It's just like, well, that's just funny. That's just you not reading the room and just being a comedian. Um, but at the same time, you know, as crazy as it sounds, and even though I just went on a tirade about how this guy needs at least one more, I'm not going to be shocked if they're like, well, we got this sound bit of him asking John Jones. John Jones don't have a lot of contenders. Tiago goddamn Santos. Let's, not, let's put some respect on that name. Who hey, I, go, I hope forget about self-injuring Johnny Walker. You know that's the guy they want. We got stop. Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is going to get a title shot once he fixes his shoulder, assuming he doesn't dance too much tomorrow. Um, well, so let's raise would be cool. We're going to talk about some big, big news um, for the UFC. Um, not as big as it should have been if the UFC had some fucking balls like the Vince McMahon does, but nobody's got those grapefruits like Vince. Um, Stefan will probably tie, will make the sense to what I just said later. But the UFC announced that in the United States of America, the only way you can watch pay-per-views now is through ESPN+. Plus. Um, does not mean your $5 gets you a UFC pay-per-view. Let's dispel that shit right there. Um, the one part me and Stefan were talking about beforehand which there's got to be a way where you buy the pay-per-view and don't have to be a subscriber to ESPN Plus because that just seems like a $5 tax to order a pay-per-view. Right, Stefan? That doesn't make any sense at all. I think that's uh, where a lot of the outrage I'm seeing is. There's people who's like, I don't want another subscription service and the fact that I need to have it or that's what is perceived to be the fact that you would need to have it to buy a pay-per-view. It's, it's, it's a weird barrier. That's a foreign concept to most people. And I think as a lot of things are transitioning to a subscription model, there's going to be a lot of resistance. People just don't like the idea that I there's a paywall for me to pay money. Like, I have to spend money to spend more money. That seems redundant. Um, and also, right now, there's a variety of ways. People like being able to watch it on their console systems. You used to be able to order on, like, PlayStation, Xbox. Yeah. Uh, people like watching it on YouTube. So... Just bottlenecking the audience. I get it. I 100% get it. ESPN wants some return. You know, yeah. ESPN bought, paid a lot for these rights. They want the content. They paid for these rights to have content. I 100% get it from a business aspect. But that's kind of the re reaction I've been seeing is um, people don't like having their options bottlenecked, especially the current cord-cutting society. They don't want to be bottlenecked into anything. They want to be able to watch how, what they want however they want. But uh, it's always going to be competing interests. So um, me reading this, because I knew the UFC's deals were up with the pay-per-view providers on demand and the other one. Um, and I know they were negotiating a certain split, probably, probably wanting more of the money. Um, the pay-per-view providers probably taking a hardline stance, which seems real dumb because they're about to serve no purpose in society. Um, so um, I view this as the UFC, essentially, I think, and I was talking to Stefan about this earlier, and that's why I made the Vince McMahon comparison is they didn't announce them having their own like network with all this shit and a way to watch pay-per-views like that. But I think this is kind of a way if ESPN is going to have a five-year exclusive to this thing in the United States, this is the way when pay-per-view market fully dries up, which is going to happen way sooner than five years from now, guys. Way sooner than that. You look at DAZN signing Anthony Joshua, I think, or one of the two guys. Like, they signed Canelo. There's... 
It's all streaming services. This is a way for ESPN, for, for UFC to phase out pay-per-view. And I'm imagining in maybe in like a year or two, it's going to be, this is ESPN Plus is $5. EFC, EFCN plus, ESPN Plus with UFC pay-per-views is, I don't know, $30 a month. I think this gets us there. Um, but it doesn't wholesale force the UFC to change their business model yet. Because it's going to be different when they have to go subscription surface. That was my takeaway. We have our own personal issues with this. Which, if you get us drunk enough, we'll spill the beans, just not on a podcast. Marcus, what you, what was your uh, what was your issue with this? Or what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I, I mean, my, my first thought was, I think like everyone was like, oh, five bucks and get pay-per-views. Now we're fucking talking. But um, obviously that, that I mean... I don't want to say that's unrealistic because like that's what the WWE does and it's ESPN. It's like they're making enough money to do this. Um, I didn't even think about you having to pay for the subscription to pay for the pay-per-view. That is kind of that can't weird, be the way it is, man. That does that makes no sense. At the same time, it's just like I don't know. If you're gonna pay, why not, Bobby? Pay, ESPN wants to drive subscribers. Why would that not? They need to give you a reason to be and, a subscriber. And honestly, why would that not like, be if, the case? If I'm already in for sixty, and it's that's like that's fair. Well, you know, if I'm, if I'm right. already willing to spend sixty dollars, and it's like, well, you got to spend sixty-five. I don't know if that five dollars is going to be the line I draw. Um, I, the other side of it is just my first thing was like, I think ESPN really likes to deal with UFC. Um, they extended their contract for two more years. They want these events on their platform. Um, and, and maybe it, and maybe it's not the case, and they're like, we're not getting the returns on our investment. We need to reorganize how we're doing business here because this isn't making sense for us. Um, and we need to get a bigger piece of that pay-per-view pie. Like maybe that is it. My, my first I don't think was, that's possible. Yeah, I think it, I think your first one's definitely right. Yeah, and that was my first take. My first takeaway was like, oh, I, I, ESPN must be loving that. You know, there's a good chunk of an audience that I mean, because I talk about it, it doesn't really apply to you guys. I don't watch ES, besides UFC. I'm not watching ESPN at all. Like full stop. I'm not flipping through channels. It's not on my radar. So just being, just watching, having to watch UFC on ESPN, I'm exposed to. Other stuff that I'm sure they think, you know, another person might get interested in. Oh, look at a hockey game. I'm interested in that shit or whatever. Um, but there, there's a large fan base that is extremely interested in UFC that is willing to go to the links to to purchase and buy it. Um, I, I think where there might be some divide, kind of like what you guys mentioned, is that the MMA audience, at least its core for a long time, are really computer savvy because this sport didn't exist in paper media, right? The only way you knew anything about MMA back in the day when it was underground was you had to be on forums and you had to be, you know, online early on. And if you were online early on, guess what? You also knew how to pirate the fuck out of shit. So it was easy as hell and no one's regulating it. And you're a bunch of teenagers with basically you can download anything you want. So I feel like for the hardcore savvy, you know, MMA fan, they already know how to steal this shit, whether they're watching it, they're streaming it through Twitch or they're going through Russian channels. Um, I feel like what this really hurts is the kind of people that maybe just see a pay-per-view like, oh, John Jones. Like, okay, I'll, I'll get that pay-per-view. And now it's like, oh, okay, I can't get it through my ca- – because they're not doing cable. Cable providers is done, right? So it's only through ESPN+. Plus. So then cable, it's like- uh, cable, cable providers are done, Mark. I know you meant it just in this sense, but overall, probably a good assessment of the situation anyway. But yeah, I, mean, I think it'll linger on for long because of original content or whatever. But um, – it's kind of weird. You know, on one hand, I think like, oh, man, this is really going to, um, you know, split your market. You, I, I would imagine there's fans that just bought it off of pay-per-view and it's like now I have to have ESPN Plus. It's a streaming thing. OK, can I stream that on my cable box? No, I have to get another device. What device do I need to stream this? It could be too many hurdles. But at the same time, at, you know, 
It's 2019. I think a lot of people are kind of aware or cognizant of streaming services and that there's these little devices that are fairly cheap, you know, like a, a, a Chromecast or a, Ro a Roku device or something aren't super expensive. But it's another thing that you need to buy in that potentially some of the audience isn't going to have. You know, I don't think everyone has streaming devices. I don't think everybody is streaming stuff. I think there's are still people watching cable, maybe. And they're well, going to be kind of you know what? I bet that this is a conversation they had to have had, and whoever's in charge of the research here must that there must be the trade off has got to be worth it. For they wouldn't just do this out of willy nilly. I think they had. I think they it's, had to make this action take place. To be honest, to be honest, I think it's similar to what Nike did with their recent ad campaign. They are punting on the older generation. Yep, and saying is. this is that we're just investing in the future now. You know, like the demographic over what is that the, the what is that ideal uh, male demographic to like thirty five or whatever it is forty four or whatever that middle point it's 18, is. Honestly, the real one is everybody under the age of thirty four. You've got to get them to buy your shit. Like, People have figured it out. <laughs> I, I ESPN is doing what Nike is doing. They're they're the future is the tech children, and it's it's gonna that's that's who it's gonna that's who the barriers are gonna be too much for the it's a generational thing who are the people who who most hold on to cable who most hold on to the pay-per-view methods it's an older generation that's just the truth of all technology um but espn it, it, they're not the first big company to kind of do that it's a uh, you're you're punting for the ki the kids it, it's it's what good business is whether it seems fair or not my dad's on a streaming service now he's about to cancel direct tv i mean I'm just saying that I, I think they have to think there can't be that many left. I don't this man, just get me to the point where I pay one amount of money and you just give me fights. I don't know. I'm just like, it's yeah, well, did you hear about their get me there. Deal? Like they have this deal where it's like, oh, you can pay for 12 months of ESPN plus. And I think is it I, I think it's like it's almost like what you said, Bob, like they charge you an extra 30. So you pay your five times 12. So that's what 60 bucks. So you're paying 90 bucks a year and you get one free pay-per-view event. I don't know. Wait, 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 no, no, no. wait, wait. Give them a discounted taste. Wait, 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 wait. How does that make sense? If I'm paying an extra, how much you, per month? You pay a year. You pay for a year of ESPN, oh, and then for a thirty dollar extra package, you get given one UFC pay per view. Basically, that, they're giving you half off your first UFC pay per view. That yeah, sounds I don't know if it's like a year. The first one, you get a picket. I don't know how it works, but yeah, I mean, if if it is down the line where it's like, okay, you pay this one monthly subscription and it costs thirty bucks, which is kind of a lot. I mean, it worked for us because we're going to split it, and ESPN is very dialed in on you splitting it. So if it's thirty bucks and we split it, that's not a bad. Hey, whoa, deal. whoa, whoa! You can buy, you can watch ESPN Plus five people at once. I know. According that's to the what, website, that's what I was just saying. That's what I was just no, saying. I'm saying right now with the pay per views, can five people split? Can me all around the country? Oh, can we? Can we know, split probably? a pay per view five fucking ways? Because God bless America, if that's what the case is now. Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, if. But I think if they're going to go down the route, like, like you mentioned before, Bobby, like maybe they make a subscription service that includes the pay-per-view and it costs 30 bucks a month. 30 buck monthly fee is a lot to swallow. I mean, even though it, it is a good discount on what you're getting and if you're splitting it with a bunch of guys, it's really not that big. But it's just like you look at the WWE model and it's just like, yeah, you get all their shit except for their live TV shows, which is just weird. I think that's just complexing. For like, what, 10 bucks a month to get all the pay-per-views? I mean, that's a deal that I am super on board for. If they want to do an ESPN UFC exclusive, another streaming site that's just their shit, and it's um, 10 bucks a month, and I get the pay-per-views, like, 
I'm on board with that. And I think all of us would be really, if I had fight pass and include pay-per-views and it costs 10 bucks a month, I would buy it right now. Even without say, isn't, isn't that what the dream was of what fight pass, the dream of what fight pass was supposed to be. Yeah. And I thought USD's we had it network. One second. I was reading this article. I was like, yeah, pay-per-views on ESPN plus that costs $5 a month. Right. And it's like, Oh, yeah, uh -oh. they dropped the okay. number of streams. I just checked the website. Now it says you can watch three devices at once, not five. Well, that's going to be difficult to negotiate. I was, I was just <laughs> going to say, uh, in terms of the just the reactions I've seen kind of uh, in, in the media, this news, that's where a lot of people felt a little spurned by the company. And I think that's where you're going to get some principal protests, which are very real things nowadays, people. They've principal protests have hurt the box office of Star Wars. You know, like people, it, uh, whether it's, it's a good thing or not, people have power out there. Um, the principal protest of this is a lot of people who have Fight Pass right now feel really spurned by this. And that know it, the way it was announced, people are like, so what the fuck am I paying for? I've just been paying $10 for Cage Warriors. Like, that, it, I, I kept seeing some of that reaction over and over again. I, I haven't had Fight Pass in a long time, but for the well, people, people that are buying those six month subscriptions yeah. to it, my uh, stuff, right? Stuff what Mike yeah. was doing. He was sick. Mike might still be in the middle of a subscription. Yeah, so it, it's people, uh, people f feel to, you know, like our, our man says, people feel like they got sold some wolf tickets with that Fight Pass. So um, there are people that just hate ESPN Plus as a subscription service just because of that. So um, we'll see what that means in terms of the bottom line, but uh, it's just something I, I get where they're coming from. Yeah, um, we'll see how this plays out. Three, come on. ESPN Plus, you're killing me. Some of us made arrangement with four other people with your five streams at once to make this work. It's like when you're at a restaurant and you're like, oh, how many pieces do you get in this appetizer? The exact amount for the whole group. Ah, we'll get that appetizer. That's what yeah. that moment was. But then the appetizers are coming out now, and they're like, wait, well, no, it's three, and there's five of you buckers, and we're like, Whoa, oh, that's not good. <laughs> some of us collected money from other people, but okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's pick some fights. Um, UFC is going to be somewhere. I was hoping somebody would have looked up where we're going, where we're, where this car's happening. Back in Vegas, it's Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville. Wait, wait. Oh no, the other one's in Vegas. Gage. Nashville, Tennessee, the home of country music, and Elvis gonna get a goddamn crackerjack of a main event, folks. Anthony, Sh Anthony Showtime Pettis moving up to welterweight. To take on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you got to think Anthony Pettis is at least four inches and about thirty pounds lighter than him. Um, if Anthony Pettis has to cut more than five pounds of weight, I will be shocked. Um, they're going five rounds here at welterweight. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan? Do you happen to have them up? Yeah, they are massive. Uh, Wonderboy Stephen Thompson is a minus four sixty favorite, and uh, Anthony Pettis is at plus three sixty five. Um, well, shit. Um, Mike has has taken, Mike, our leader in the standings right now, has taken Anthony Pettis, who's a massive underdog, as Stefan put it. I don't necessarily think it's the craziest pick ever, but, oh, man, he's so much bigger than him. Like, and he's, I mean, I know this just went south for me last week, but he's so much bigger than him. I don't like picking Wonder Boy in fights because it seems like he hasn't, gone like really when was the last time he put somebody down you know what i mean when was the last time wonder boy was wonder boy to somebody am i missing something or has it been quite some time he had did he look yeah. good against Masvidal? <laughs> i don't even remember if he looked good against Masvidal. man he hasn't looked like wonder boy in quite some time i shit i got wonder boy i don't like this at all i 
Anthony Pettis calling for this fight makes me think Duke Rufus knows some shit. Okay? That's what it makes me think. But I, I think he's just too big. I got to take Wonder Boy here. What do you think, Stefan? Um, I'm taking Wonder Boy. I think the line is bigger than it should be, but I'm not as trep. I don't have as much trepidation taking a Wonder Boy as you do because, you know, his loss to Darren Till aside, I like Till. I was all on the hype train. With objective, Wonder Boy got a little robbed in that fight. That was a bad decision. Um, you don't look good standing against Wonder Boy, and that is what Pettis does. Pettis is a stand-up fighter, and you're you're either going to lose to Wonder Boy in the stand-up game, or it'll be really close and unexciting. But you're not going to look good against him in it, and I, Pettis kind of needs to. I I have trouble seeing him just out volume uh, Wonder Boy because what Wonder Boy is, he's typically a good counter striker, um, and so if I feel it's, it's, it's. I feel like for Pettis to win, he has to be more aggressive standing up. But that plays into Wonder Boy's strength. So, I, I it's hard for me to see the avenue for Pettis to to win. Um, like he could he could catch him with a kick. I don't think he has KO power in his hands, and he's now he's going up into a higher weight class against a very tough guy. Um, whether Thompson gets it back and looks amazing, I, I don't know that that'll happen. But I could very easily see him like win a kind of semi uninteresting decision comfortably. Um. I'm comfortable him winning. I'm not comfortable it's going to be fun, but I'm comfortable thinking uh, Wonder Boy is going to win. Uh, Marcus, what do you think, man? Yeah, it's tough. Um, a lot of the same sentiments that we were talking about last week. I was thinking the same stuff, Bobby. Like he's bigger. He's a great striker. He should, on paper, you know, have this win. And then, you know, I just think Jorge Masvidal will just beat the shit out of Till, and I wasn't really expecting that. Um, there's some differences, though, right? Um, I think what Showtime's good at with the kicks, Wonder Boy is just as good at. And I think the one area that um, Anthony Pettis is really good at, I think, is almost a non non factor here. Like the dude has a fantastic guard. I just don't know how this fight's going to end up there unless Wonder Boy basically knocks him down and tries to go for the finish, and then Showtime is able to recollect himself and snap on a triangle or an armbar really fast, which he's completely capable of doing. That is a scenario that could play out. Um, but I and I also wonder. Uh, Pettis has been having a lot of success going back to his really aggressive style. And if he does that in this fight, kind of like what Stefan was alluding to earlier, I think his, his margins of winning goes even less because I think Thompson against a guy who's really aggressive is going to be able to uh, control that range a lot better and, and counter strike and, and be successful that way. So I'm really excited for the fight. I do think Wonder Boy just on paper, there's just so many things that kind of work in his favor. And the one thing I think showed uh, that Pettis is really good at, I just don't see Anthony Thompson looking for takedowns in this and sitting in the guard. And that's where Pettis could be really dangerous. I think if Pettis is going to catch him, it's going to be something fluky. Like he got dropped. Wonder Boy went in for the kill, left an arm exposed and got caught because that's just how quick and good Pettis is off his back. If, any moment where he can snatch up a triangle and armbar, he, he tapped. He tapped. He tapped Benson Henderson out. That shit's hard. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> and, he doesn't, he, and his submissions. There's not a lot of setup. It's not like he needs to trap the arm first and then work his hips to get. It's just it's all one fluid motion, much like his striking. Right, he does it in one motion very quickly that catches guys off guard. And maybe he can do that against Wonder Boy. I just think if that scenario is even in the realm, it's because Wonder Boy has already hurt and hurt him and knocked him down. Um, and I think he'll have the ability to finish him and knock it caught in something. I think the margin for showtime is fairly low, so I'm going to go with uh, Thompson. But I, I like this new Anthony Pettis that's super aggressive and just goes after it. That's the guy that was winning belts. Um, I think moving up a weight division might be a bit much. And, and who knows, right? Because maybe he's not cutting at all. He feels fucking great. He has even more energy and aggression. Um, I'd love to see that Pettis. I'd love to be wrong on this fight and have Anthony Pettis just go out and just do what Jorge did. And there's nothing... I, I, 
I don't mind being wrong at all. If some dude just smashes the other one, I'm like, fuck that. That's what I wanted from one way or the other. I want to see dudes get in there and go after it. And I think that's how Pettis might have to win the fight. But at the same time, I think if he does that, he's going to lose even quicker. So yeah, I think it's, a, it's a tough fight for him. I'm really enjoying Anthony Pettis po uh, since the Kiesa fight. I know he lost. Uh, he had to stop. They had to stop the Ferguson fight after the second round. I think he broke his hand again or something um, or a cut or something. I forgot what it was. But he was doing okay in that one. I thought he won. Did he drop Anthony? Uh, drop Tony in the first round maybe in that one too? I know Tony's I fighting with half a... I think he got like a spinning back fist that rocked him a Yeah, lot. and I know Tony's was... Fucking, I don't know. He came back so quick from that knee injury. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be a good fight though. But I, yeah, Anthony Pettis, Pettis... Thompson's too big. Co-main event, Justin Big Pretty Willis. One of my favorite nicknames in MMA. Uh, taking on Curtis Razor Blades. Sounds like a character from goddamn Final Fights. Um, I... What's the betting odds in this one, Steph? I'm imagining Curtis Blades a favorite. Uh, yeah, minus two ninety to Justin Willis plus two forty five. Um, yeah, I got Curtis Blades. Despite I'm, I'm assuming he's woken up from the last time he fought when he got knocked out by Ngannou. I just think I know to Justin Willis trains with AKA, but Curtis Blades is a better wrestler than him. And if he wants to, Curtis, uh, Justin Willis is going to the mat. Um, I don't. I mean, I know Anthony. I know Daniel Cormier is a good wrestler, but. Curtis Blades if, is going to put him on his ass. I got Curtis Blades. Um, Mike, I think, agrees with me, right? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Okay. Uh, Mark, who do you got? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Blades, too. Um, just I, I, I saw part of it, Justin Willis's fight against Mark Hunt, and he kind of just was – he controlled him at range. And Mark Hunt, at that point, I came in the third round. Like, he mentally was already out of that fight. He didn't have much left for him. Um, and just looking at Justin's uh, record, you know, there's not a lot of firstly uh, named fighters that I know of. And of the few that I do know of, they're not I don't know them for being particularly strong in the wrestling. So I really just don't know how this guy's wrestling is. And we know Curtis Blades is very capable of getting guys down and working them and grinding them. And I just don't know if Justin Willis has that skill set to stop Curtis from doing that. Um, he's a big, heavy, stocky guy. And sometimes those guys can be tough to Greco-Roman uh, wrestle because it's hard to get under their center of mass. It can be hard to trip up their feet sometimes, but I, I think Curtis Blades is going to be able to control this fight, get him down repeatedly, and just wear on Justin until he's exhausted and maybe finish him late in the fight. Um, Stefan? I mean, Chalk. Blades is good. Like, I mean, he, he, he just got, long, he just got caught, man. He, not that long good, ago that he convinced some of us to uh, pick him in a rematch against the guy that demolished him. Uh, Cause that's what people thought of him, you know, and he's still good. Uh, but Francis is just real too. Um, not to get on too much of a tangent, but blades is very much a legit guy in this division. Everyone can get caught by something. Um, I don't know much about Willis to be honest. Big pretty. Um, who's someone is called big sexy in MMA. Too. They just steal pro wrestling names. I forgot who it was. Um, one more fight we're going to pick here. And um, this card in general, uh, I mean, I think one more fight that I cared about would have been nice at the top. Um, but we're going to pick Angela Hill versus uh, Randa Marcos. Angela Hill um, and Marcos are both favorites of this podcast. I know Mike picked Angela Hill. Stefan, the betting lines, I believe, have Miss Hill as a favorite because people don't watch her fights. Yeah, the uh, it got Angela Hill coming on at minus one fifty five to plus one thirty five against Ryan and Marcos. But I was saying to Bobby before this, even though Mike technically picked the favorite, I'm gonna go ahead and tell him that this is a plums pick for you, Mike. Why? 
because anytime I've wanted to pick Angela Hill in a UFC fight, and I mean anytime in this stint, in the stint before, she does not win. Does she? Does she have a UFC win yet? Yeah, she beat Marina Moroz. Did I not pick that? Because I've never and, picked her. And she beat Ashley Oder. Apparently, she's won some fights here since she's been back. I thought she'd lost all these. In um, well, then it, I guess that ruins my joke. But um, I love Angela Hill. We, we all like her as a personality. I, I, I am not comfortable picking her personally just because I seem to get it wrong. Um, and Random Marcos presents the thing that kind of stifles Angela Hill. She's a grinder. She clinches you up against the fence. She makes it dirty. Uh, Angela Hill's best kind of when she's doing her dominant cruise, moving at range, picking and popping, kicks, jabs, uh, using her reach. But the fights she kind of struggles against are the ones that take that away from her. And if Marcos is going to win, that's exactly what she'll do. Um, so I, I kind of like Randa as just a style matchup here. I feel I might have over exaggerated on the level of difference here. There's literally eight and five versus eight and six here happening. But yeah, I, I I'm not. I, I pick Randa to win a lot of fights. She doesn't win, also anyway. <laughs> but I'm gonna dig Randa Marcos. Um, I think the betting line should probably be flipped, but not that Randa Marcos should be a big favorite. I just, I'm not. I I don't think Angela Hill's getting any better, and she's not as young as I thought she was. She's like in fight mileage. She's young, but I don't know if she's gotten better since she's been back. When she in Invicta, she clearly made some big leaps kind of adopting her one of her teammates' footwork there and what Dominic Cruz does. And she made some really good fights in Invicta. But being back in the UFC, I've not really enjoyed any of her performances so far. I don't think she's gotten any better. Randa Marcos is a grinder. Um, she's getting a little better. I don't know if either one of these people is going to be champion. But I just the grinding style makes me... And Angela Hill's complete lack of stopping power isn't helping the cause either. So, yeah, I'm going to go um, Randa Marcos. Marcus? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I... Angela Hill's probably the coolest female MMA fight, MMA fighter fighting in, in the sport today, um, as far as my opinion goes. Um, but when when it comes to the actually fighting, yeah, when I think we saw this fight last week, it was like, oh man, it's a really not a great matchup for Angela Hill because of all the reasons you guys mentioned. You know, I, when she gets wins, it's usually because it's mostly a stand up fight. She's able to use her footwork, pick her spots, score the better you know exchanges in the round and, and win rounds that way. And I think she'll probably be able to do some of that against uh, Randa Marcos. The thing I'm worried about is that at some point in that round, I think she's going to be able to clinch up with Angela, and I think she's going to be able to take her down, and she's going to steal those rounds. And I think that's going to happen in each round. I think there's going to be you know, a good amount of time where Angela Hill's using the footwork, not getting trapped up against the cage, maybe even landing some decent shots here and there. But at some point, I think Randa's going to trap her against the cage, going to be able to drag her to the mat, and then control her for you know two, three minutes at a time. And the judges are only going to remember that part where they controlled her. And I think she'll get the nod that way. Um, you know, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, of all the fights that we picked so far, I really would love to see the Angela Hill that we saw in Invicta, where she was just running over girls, getting girls in clinches, and stopping them with you know, knees to the body, getting uh, KO knockouts. But at this higher um, skill level, you know, she's been struggling to put damage on the girls and to really put them in a state where they're fearful of, you know, getting seriously hurt and knocked out. Uh, most of her wins have just been coming by being technically more proficient than her other fighter. And it seems like the ones that can kind of grind up against her, get her against the cage, grind, especially when you look at Courtney Casey, her last fight, I, I always consider Courtney Casey to be one of those fighters that doesn't have one particular skill set that they're, extravagant at she's just a tough grindy girl and i think that's what uh, marcos is except marcos is you know probably a better uh grappler than she is wrestler but she's a grindy girl that's going to try to get you up against the cage 
and slow you down, take you to the ground, and win rounds. And I think she's going to be able to do that, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong, though. I really hope Angela Hill can do a fucking tiger knee or a giant tiger uppercut and get a knockout here. It's just... You know, I, I've been hoping for that for the last five fights, and it just doesn't really come to fruition. So she's definitely going to be fun at weigh-ins. It's always, uh, it's always a treat and to see. Cosplay at something. She, she, she kind of picked up that Tom Lawler mantle, right? Yeah. You, you, you want to see what she's going to dress up. She's as. a great personality, and Bobby, she has that podcast or that that video channel. And you know, outside, you know, when, when the fight game has passed her up, you know, I hope that she can get some kind of traction and do something like that because she's a fun character of the game that I don't think a lot of people. Um, are super aware of um but you know a couple of good wins maybe could get her there but she's just cool I, I love her i think she's great i i hope this fight comes together she proves me wrong makes me look like an idiot next week i would be more than happy to eat those words i just don't see it happening i think roxanne is the coolest girl in or close woman in mma personally really but- roxanne i mean she's cool but she ain't that cool, but we saw her at a strip club. One she of them was very nice to me. I'm going us with and giving us hugs and doing sh- selfies. She's like, oh, hey, cool. Thanks. She's she's a very stoic. I, I took a picture with Roxanne. Saw her at a Starbucks in a hotel. She was very nice to me. I'm, I'm going Roxanne. Nice, but cool. That's I'm, nice is cool I'll to fight me. I'll to the grave that Angela Hill mops the floor with Pennington when it comes to cool. Cool. Oh. Kindness is what's cool to Bobby. Um, all right. Let's do a... Uh, Let's do stuff we like. Um, I guess let's let uh, Marcus lead us off this week. Sure. Um, first, I'll just talk about you know what we did this weekend. It was uh, Bobby and Stefan, the guy that made our logo, Eddie, and our good friend Drew um, uh, threw me the bachelor party. Uh, we went up to South Lake Tahoe. We did all the stuff that I love to do, which is basically just hang out and play video games. I had a really great time. I really enjoyed uh, my bachelor party. It was all the stuff I wanted. None of the stuff I didn't. Um, It was a really good time. And, uh, you know, as we've gotten busier, it's kind of hard to carve out some time for, you know, us and the guys to kind of hang out and do a little vacation stuff. We used to go uh, ATVing all the time. And it's just, this is life, you know, life catches up with you. It's hard to make time for these things. Um, But, you know, getting married is kind of a good excuse to be able to, Spend more times with uh, the people you care about, and yeah, I had a great, I had a great time at the bachelor party. I had a ton of fun with you guys playing video games. Bobby was killing it, cooking up food basically like all day Saturday. We ate so much food. I felt so not not like a bad sick, but just like uncomfortably full, um, pretty much for the rest of the weekend. But no, I had a great time, I, dude. I was laying in bed to make, and I was like, I should get to make dinner. And it was like nine o'clock, and then I, just, I fell asleep instead. Yeah, I mean, when I got that home, the team was like, "Is like, it's like, oh, so like, what do you think about dinner?" I was like, "I am so full," but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's six o'clock. You need to eat shit too. Um, but yeah, uh, that that being said, had such a fun time. Uh, but there actually was some uh, when I came back. There was a couple things I caught on Netflix that um, I really liked, and I wanted to share them with you guys and our uh, adoring fans, of course. So uh, first, just to get the video game stuff out of the way, uh, big game this week is Sekiro. This is the next game from From Software, who is uh, most mostly known for making the Dark Souls games and the Bloodborne games. And Sekiro is somewhat in that vein, but a little bit different. Um, but taking, I, th- I think the biggest aesthetic change here is that it is um, uh, set in medieval Japan, which a lot of people have been clamoring for more games to be set in that time frame. And it looks like gameplay-wise, it's going to be a little bit different um, than the other games. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, there is a couple shows on Netflix that I've been hearing about, and I got to catch a little bit of them uh, when we got back. So the first one is um, season three of Queer Eye. Um, I talked about Queer Eye a couple times on this podcast. I mean, honestly, that's just feel good TV. Um, 
I only watched the first two episodes. It, I, and I think I said it a, a couple seasons ago. My, my, my queer eye challenge is watch a season and tell me you didn't cry just a little bit at one point. Um, they're all just really heartfelt, good, goodness to honest, just shows about trying to help people get on their feet and make their lives a little bit better for themselves and the people around them. It's just, it's inspiring and it's touching and I love it. And I think it's just it being kind of encased around uh, gay men helping people just kind of it's just the extra twist on the feel goodness where it's like not only it's just this teaching people to take better care of themselves, not they're worth the care of taking better care of themselves, um, but also that it's like these gay men who have also been ostracized from society for so long, helping these other people find that within themselves. This thing is, it's an awesome show. It's just, there's nothing but positivity that comes out of that show. It makes me feel fucking good. And I love it. And I'm so glad they got another season. Keep them rolling. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is a series on Netflix. That isn't a continuation series. It's actually a bunch of one-off shorts, um, but they're fucking awesome. It's called love death and robots. And basically it's 18, what do you want to call them? Like shorts or minis. They're around 10 to 17 minutes long. Um, they're all animated in a different style. You know, whether it's like high quality CGI or hand-drawn animation. Um, me and Christine watched the first two episodes and they are stylistically, they kind of look the same. They're very high quality CGI and um, animation, but totally completely different. And both were fucking badass and awesome. And, I'm excited to watch more of them if you like kind of and they're all kind of in the sci-fi vein as far as I'm aware, but they are just really good. This is high quality content and this is the kind of shit that Netflix keeps me on the hook for because I do not turn to it normally to find stuff to watch. It has really become destination TV for me that I really only go to Netflix when I hear about something or every now and then I'll be like, eh, let me check around what's good. And there's just so many shows that they've made that I have no idea if what they're about, if they're any good. But every now and then you get shows like The Umbrella um, Academy, uh, Sabrina, I'll be throwing Love, Death, and Robots in there, Queer Eye. They have enough of their own original content that is really, really fucking good that I I'm on the hook. If they keep pumping out stuff like this, even if it's not every month, there's a show that I'm really into. If there's a really good show every three months, I'm going to keep paying just because um, it's just that good. And I think um, Love, Death, and Robots is of that quality. And I'd also throw out real quick, there's this one other kind of animated show called the Killian Frequency, which is kind of like this podcast Night Vale where it's very creepy. It's weird hand-drawn animation too. I think it comes from like Brennis, Breno Eris. And it's just like a creepy kind of crypt, um, Tales from the Crypt kind of like quasi kind of horror stuff. It's just really good. There's a lot of good shit going on on Netflix. So definitely recommend you checking out Queer Eye, Love, Death, and Robots, and the Krillian Frequency. Good stuff. Stefan, what do you have this week, man? Um, keep it light and short. Uh, it's kind of just a personal, like personally specific thing. You know, I can't think too many other people uh, will uh, care without having this common thread. But I um, just want to give three cheers to my alma mater, the University of Oregon, um, the men's basketball team, uh, needing to win the Pac-12 uh, conference tournament to have a chance to be in March Madness because uh, they weren't going to make it otherwise. They did it. They as the number six seed, they uh, defeated all comers in the tournament, and now they're playing. Um, this starting this uh, later this week in the March Madness annual tournament. Um, their game is going to be down in San Jose uh, against Washington. That's cool. Uh, I'll see if I can go. Um, probably won't be able to, but uh, just happy for the men's basketball team. On the uh, football side, two of the greatest uh, football players a program ever had retired from the NFL today. Um, Max Unger, he was uh, there towards the tail end of my time 
at Oregon. But um, yeah, he he was there up in Seattle during their heyday run with uh, Marshawn. Um, I think he's a Hall of Fame center. Uh, he, he's played the last few years with Drew Brees, uh, snapping to that dude, and they've been really successful in that run. Um, and another one, uh, I just think the way he retired was really cool, and I personally knew him. Uh, I used to hang out with him. We only had one a year crossover, but um, uh, another uh, great Oregon Duck player, probably the greatest Oregon Duck athlete of all time, Haloni Nada, a defensive tackle of the NFL. He just retired. Uh, so he posted a video where he climbed to the top of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, and then he unfurled this banner that said, I'm retiring from the NFL at the top of the world. And uh, I can't help but be happy for the dude. Uh, he got to win a Super Bowl with Baltimore, defeating uh, my local favorite 49ers in the process. But I couldn't even be mad because two of the dudes I was friends with in college were on that Baltimore team. Uh, Haloti was this giant fucking monster of a man. Uh, I was always kind of friends with like all the Samoan Tongan guys. Haloti Nada was this six foot six. 355 pound beast who was as fast as my five foot seven frame. Um, I remember playing basketball against him, and that dude would just drive all the time because, like, who's going to take a charge on this guy? Who wants this battering ram of a human being just dribbling a basketball at you? Sure, you could pick him, but you also might just catch a forearm to the face. Um, but one of the funniest, like, really happy dudes who I knew around football, um, really a gentle giant, had a wonderful NFL career, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, really proud of those dudes. Re- always represent clean. No, no, no steroid tests. No crimes. Um, yeah, two of uh, I think my school's proudest um, players to ever come out of it. So happy trails to those two guys retiring. Um, liking football is kind of a dirty thing, right? It's these guys take a lot of trauma. So uh, whenever you want to retire from football, it's never too early, in my opinion. Whenever you think you're done, you're probably done. So um, I hope they have a happy rest of their lives. You know, being retired by 36 doesn't sound so bad. Um, yeah, so just good luck to them. Um, I don't really have anything this week. I normally talk about wrestling or something I've watched. Didn't watch any. Did I watch any wrestling? Stefan, what was on NXT last week? <laughs> um. Ooh. Oh, the Gargano and Champa thing. That was yeah, okay. sure, whatever. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really, you know, didn't really do a lot, uh, to be honest, um, between last week and now. But uh, I just saw a gif of Travis Brown on Monday Night Raw throwing a punch, and Travis throws better working punches than Ronda. So good for him. Um, yeah, well, we're gonna be back next week. Um, I got nothing this week. Uh, oh, I watched Into the Spider Verse with the boys. I hadn't seen it before. I really liked it. Um, so, and that train pulls into the last station. <laughs> there it is. It's a very, it's a good movie. I appreciated it, um, especially when I started realizing who was voicing who, especially John Mulaney. Which I'm, like, I'm actually, fucking... if you didn't know who those people were, Bobby, you named him pretty fucking fast. <laughs> like, I'm no, I got, I'm able to. I'm pretty good at those voice things. actors, but that was like a lot of them were like within one line. Like, is that that guy? He's like, yeah. And I, for, I honestly, well, got, like, some of them had some really distinctive voices putting them together, but. You nailed him pretty quick. Yeah, the the Mulaney one was really obvious. I'm like, Mulaney's got such a distinct voice. I'm like, it's fucking Mulaney. It's a good role for him. Playing the pick. Um, there was a, um, I don't know if you guys saw any of the behind the scenes footage stuff. Uh, I was watching a video where it was Mulaney talking about his uh, when he first you know came into record, and uh, they said, yeah, they say he was saying about how like, yeah, you know, just do five minutes, get loosened up, say whatever you want. He's like, I was so damn vulgar. He's like, I he's like, I think I said the f word thirty six times. And then at the end, the sound guy was like, 
and we can't use any of that, but I'm glad you had fun. Like, he's like, I'm like he, he's one of those guys who seems pretty wholesome, just with his whole, like, baby face appearance. But that's part of the shtick. Dude is hilarious. And yeah, like you said, that it's, it's a perfect role, basically playing a, a Looney Tunes-esque character. Yeah, you guys just stay tuned. In about three months, I'll see Captain Marvel and give you my take on that, too. You got to see it sooner. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm too uh, you to see a thing. I mean, preview of about four months from now um hey guys what is captain marvel out on netflix bobby it's been out for like a month uh it's <laughs> it recommending it to you don't you see it right now it's like where is it guys are you no. sure it'll be next week like finally netflix listened to me they sent me an email saying captain you know marvel. what i just <laughs> these guys are out here complaining but you what you what you're listening to is two of like the six people i hang out with locally so 33 percent went and saw the fucking movie you know what i, I gotta do what i can here um yeah, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about... Someone tell me there's not a card. Um, Isn't it Gaethje and... Uh, oh, Captain never mind. Barboza? Fuck that. Oh, my God. We might have spent the whole time talking about Justin Gaethje and Barboza. That's going to be a wonderful time. That's the type of content I... This is the card I want, man. It's good. Fucking it's a good card. Gaethje and Barboza. I'm surprised Josh Emmett versus Hermanson's the co-main event. Makes me think somebody got hurt. Um... Josh Emmett, Michael Johnson's a good fight. Carolina Kowalkiewicz versus Michelle Waterson. We're just going to fight to see who can out-cute who, and everyone else is a winner. Ah, uh, Stefan, I don't think that's going to be a good night for Michelle Waterson uh, in terms of actual fighting. Um, I mean, it's Alexa, tough. I've seen both these girls get knocked out, so I, it's it's up in the air. Yeah, that's fair. Paul Craig going to fight. Alexa Grasso going to fight. Ross Pearson still fighting. God bless the man. His coach from Tough Nine is retired, but Ross Pearson, he perseveres. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week, guys. Thank you all for listening so much. Um, maybe we'll make Mike justify why he missed the podcast. He can talk about his fantasy team he drafted. They better be all good players. Bunch of dingers. Um, thank you all for listening, as I mentioned. See you next week. I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.